Hello, it's Tuesday afternoon. The British Chancellor is now Jeremy Hunt. It was wrong to fly blind and to announce those plans without reassuring people that we can actually afford to pay for them. And the country's Prime Minister is, for now, still Liz Truss. I'm sorry for those mistakes, but I've fixed the mistakes. I've appointed a new Chancellor. Uh, We have restored economic stability and fiscal discipline. I'm Richard Edgar, and joining me is our constant companion in this podcast, Fidelity's Chief Investment Officer, Andrew McCaffrey. Hello. Hello, Richard. Nice to have you back with us. It's only two weeks since we last spoke, but as of yesterday, the fourth Chancellor of the Exchequer in as many months has set out a whole new policy framework for the UK. How much, uh, if anything, actually, has changed? Well, quite a lot. We seem to be working our way back to where we started with minor changes. Um, But there have been some fairly important elements that when we look at the support around the cost of living crisis and the energy price cap, that obviously is a different timescale now. So the implied amount at this stage is uh, going to be lower. But with that will be a review and a challenge, I think, as we look beyond into 2023 and 2024, that will they have to come back and find money to support again? So that isn't off the table. It's just an interim uh, calming of the the worst concerns. So bad news for consumers and therefore consumer spending. um, But in terms of the government's finances um, under, under better control than they were last week. Yes. And that's where we come to also the tax cuts that have been taken off the table. What was really important was the fact that the markets deemed that this was not sustainable. And so we saw, obviously, the volatility in bond markets, especially, as well as the currency, and to a lesser degree in the stock markets. Um, But the real part, I think, that plays back from this now is that yields have stayed higher. There is still a lot of debt that has to be financed over time. And so it's going to be a very tricky pathway for fiscal policy going forward, even with the rollback that we've seen. So if the government was reacting to markets thus far and making really quite radical reversals to, um, to to its plans, and you're saying that yields are still high now, does that mean that markets are going to dictate policy further? Well, I think the risk is they will. Um, we've already seen that interest rate policy is discounted to be somewhat higher than the current uh, official rates from the Bank of England. So we are likely to see a rate rise in November. Obviously, the movement of the fiscal um, plan to the 31st of October and with the budget that will be produced then, that's trying to get that clear before we have the Bank of England uh, meeting. And I think the markets have calmed down um, because they see that the worst case scenario has been taken off the table. The challenge is, does it really remove some of the inflationary risk? Unlikely. Does it create more economic challenges? Definitely. And how does the Bank of England then address this? And it means really that they still have to raise rates. It's just where the peak is. And that is going to be the question mark. OK, well, I want to talk about the bank because the governor of the Bank of England was very blunt last week. He was speaking at, uh, in DC, uh, at the IMF World Bank meetings, and he was saying that 
uh, or implying rather, that um, he wouldn't clear up the government's mess beyond last Friday. That's when the support in um, uh, the bond markets uh, ended. Now, today we learn um, that the bank may delay its quantitative tightening program further until the bond market settles down. Now, he's actually delivered a series of sometimes contradictory statements as policymakers struggle to tackle on one side the, the monetary issues and then also financial stability all at the same time. How difficult is it for markets to interpret the messaging that's coming out of the bank? I think it's becoming very difficult. Um, you know, we have to take some perspective on this by looking back to what has been the developing challenge around policy signals and one would have to say mistakes. We've discussed in the past the Federal Reserve not moving really soon enough when there's plenty of evidence. Well, I think that, again, when we look to the UK, we had further stimulus being provided when it was clear the level of economic damage as we came to 21, you know, really wasn't um, of a level that demanded such increased stimulus from the monetary authorities as well. Um, But also then we saw uh, the discussion of a rate rise, an expectation for uh, the markets in the beginning of Q4, which wasn't followed through on when expected. And then immediately the next month, you saw the rate rise come through. And I think that didn't help credibility. Roll forward to where we are today, and you're seeing very short-term decisions being made, very important policy aspects uh, that seem to be uh, switching on a regular basis week to week. And that just undermines the confidence of markets. I was about to bring up confidence. It sounds to me like there's a lot more work still to be done to try to regain that, that confidence. I believe there is. I think the credibility has taken a knock. And so from here, the clarity of um, you know, policy settings, of following through on what has been um, you know, told to the markets will become key. But I think there is a challenge now that uh, you know, with the volatility that we've seen, it's very hard for the Bank of England really to step back from the quantitative easing framework. And I think that that will stay as a degree of question mark. When we do move, and and if we do move, I should say, to a quantitative tightening framework in the UK, the repercussions could be quite substantial because we've seen the tremors that were caused in the short term. Those could be exaggerated, especially if they play out elsewhere in the world. And so you have these negative feedback loops through the bond markets. A reckoning postponed, is that a fair summary? Potentially it is, yes, where we have a period of relative calmness, but Whilst the monetary authorities around the world, um, especially the developed world, are looking to try and you know, move to address the inflationary pressures, to unwind some of that overly stimulative um, policy settings, then that will create you know, more um, challenges the market needs to uh, adapt. And as we've seen, it's trying to adapt whilst inflation is high, growth is clearly slowing, fiscal policy has become more supportive that's not a great place to be trying to navigate. Where could this happen again? Because uh, people were surprised that it um, emerged from a part of the pensions industry in the UK, the liability-driven investing side of things. And the issue there was too much leverage, not enough liquidity. What should people be looking for this time? Well, I think, again, that those um, aspects of leverage being embedded, a loss of liquidity are important to, to look for. And you know, the challenge really is, uh, you know, as we've seen um, looking to the US, is that the treasury market has become progressively less liquid. 
Um, you know, in terms of the the leverage um, framework, it's different. So, um, you know, unlikely to pop up in the same way that we've seen in the UK. But you know, still could be very challenging for those who basically over time have seen that yields being very attractive, built up leverage towards those yields in different part of the markets, and also the degree to which um, you know in the US that you know again can you get the movement of capital and collateral into the right places for where you need them. And if you can't, does that then create a gain that um, you know, liquidity becomes uh, an issue in its own right? So it's less a forecast that uh, you know, the US um, is going to see that in the short term. But the challenge is you keep seeing rates being moved, you see liquidity being challenged, as you see the market functioning start to look more and more um, difficult, then we could see uh, you know, different types of uh, uh, you know, popping up in terms of the US, um, but also around the developed world. That's the plumbing, if you like, that you're, you're talking about there. Um, what are the sort of danger signals that you'd be looking for? Which obscure part of the market might be the next that shows the cracks? Where would you see that? Yeah, so I think that, again, that really be looking very firmly into parts of the, the treasury market, just again, because we've seen a change in the dynamics of buying there. If the Fed is pulling back, uh, that they were really the largest marginal buyer there. But we've also seen the uh, level of um, national government interest, so sovereign um, buying, you know, starting to show signs of um, you know, easing, especially in the bond market. You know, it's a lot of cash being held in dollar. So you've seen it switching between assets into to cash. And so you know, what we might find is that it's dislocation in certain parts of the yield curve, in certain parts of the market. And then that feeds through as well into how it plays in you know, the different related markets, so the credit markets as well. And so I think you know, we'd still be looking at all their challenges that pop up into illiquid parts of the credit market or into difficulty of being able to price effectively. And those are the sort of things that we're looking for. And also we're starting to see small signs of some of the funding related um, spreads showing widening pressure, which suggests that, again, that access and ease of getting liquidity, which has been so abundant, is starting to be a bit more of a problem. And that's when you start to see the uh, the issues arise. We're heading into the outlook season. So here at Fidelity, um, lots of teams are already planning what they're, they're uh, how they're going to deal with um, whatever 2023 chucks at us. What, where does 2022 leave your base case for a recession in 2023? The circumstance still continue to point that um, we could have what I framed as more of an inflationary bust in some of the developed markets, because what we have seen, thanks to COVID and fiscal policy, is an incredible buildup of basically cash and a very strong balance sheet for the individual throughout the socioeconomic um, range and also uh, for many corporates. So the increase in prices and the challenge we've seen have actually been to a degree absorbed, but at some point they won't be. The cost that we've seen increase in interest rates feeding through the economy, as we see that affect the real economy in terms of employment and maybe you know some of those um, high employer um, uh, employee type environments that we've seen start to uh, to give back. Um, and so we see a small uptick in the unemployment rate. And that, I think, can feed on itself quite quickly with what we've seen from you know some of the wealth um, damage that's occurred across markets. So really, it's a case of, uh, you know, the speed at which we move to a downturn may have been deferred also with the fiscal policy support. 
But the challenge is building and the way in which it then bursts through could be that we see a much sharper um, level of downturn at some point during 23 rather than immediately entering 23. We'll keep our eyes peeled and ears open. Finally, Andrew, from one day to the next, we're getting huge upheavals um, in policy, in personnel of policymakers, um, in market reactions. Um, on a personal level, what's it like to be an investor in this sort of climate? Are you getting much sleep at the moment? <laughs> so for us, there are many things that we can do to, to make sure that we are being able to sleep, that we can um, navigate the markets. And that really is you know, levels of discipline, focus on the things that we need to understand. You know, where are our risks? That, you know, how are they manifesting themselves in the portfolios? You know, how do we then understand those dynamics taking place? And, and really, you know, what are the parts that we don't want to have as much as the types of exposure that we do? And just to try and navigate effectively. And you know, sometimes um, you know, it can be as well about just uh, you know, understanding when not to do something, but also when to just have that little bit uh, you know, more active risk management of um, the exposure you're taking, whatever the asset class you're involved in. And you know, those are the parts really for, for us is that maybe you know, it's a time where you think in that risk management tactical paradigm a little bit more to navigate uh, you know, through here, but not losing sight that we are going to see, and we already are in some markets, value being created where they're discounting a great deal of negativity and unlikely scenarios and being ready to be able to take advantage of those opportunities as they develop whatever asset class again they're in. So staying nimble, keeping on your toes um, as things change around you. I'm sure we'll be hearing much more from you in coming weeks and months. And dear listeners, thank you very much for lending us your ears. Do make sure you're subscribed to this feed for a full Rich Pickings episode later in the week. We'll have a volatility deep dive with a discussion featuring our global economists and portfolio managers from fixed income and multi-asset. And if you'd like to learn more about how Fidelity can help you through it all, head to your local Fidelity website. And for full coverage of our investors thinking on Ukraine, the energy crisis, LDI, volatility, ESG, and much more, head to the editorial section on fidelityinternational.com. The producer today was Steve Gardner, with sound engineering by Callum Blitz. From all of us at Fidelity, until next time, goodbye. This podcast is for investment professionals only and should not be relied upon by private investors. This podcast is provided for informational purposes only and is intended only for the person or entities to which it is sent. It must not be reproduced or circulated to any other party without the prior permission of Fidelity. The value of investments can go down as well as up, so you may get back less than you invest. For other important legal notices, please visit your local Fidelity website.